Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Saturday of the fifth week of Lent, March the 27th. We've heard a great deal of talk in recent weeks, maybe a little longer than that even, about a term that's been banded about now, especially on sports shows, called GOAT, G-O-A-T. Now, it's not referring to the animal, but GOAT is greatest of all time. And it goes through various sports, basketball, baseball, football, etc. And it talks about those who are considered to be the greatest of all time. So GOAT is not uh, an insult, but it's actually uh, an acclaim. Uh, it's an honor to be called the greatest of all time. And they divide it up into categories and men and women and so on and so forth like that. Various eras of sports, the equipment and so on. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, so we hear a great deal about goats. But in our reading, which comes from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. John 11 45 through 57. Uh, this passage deals with a goat, and it's not, uh, and it's not a compliment. Uh, it's a plot. Uh, of course, I'm talking about scapegoat. Uh, the scapegoat, or the sacrificial goat, extends deep into the uh, Old Testament, where on the Day of Atonement, they would get the goat or the sacrificial animal. And the community would gather and they would cast all of their sins, all of the ways in which they violated God's covenant, the ways in which they were disobedient, etc. All of their guilt, sin, shame. And it was projected onto that animal, that goat, scapegoat. And the animal was then sent off into the wilderness to die so that the sins of the community, the individual and the community, would be taken, die, in other words, it would be uh, eliminated, and they could start anew, hence the notion of a scapegoat. Well, we know that scapegoats are not simply uh, confined to the Bible. Throughout history, they have been uh, terrible examples of scapegoating. It's blaming others, either an individual or a group, a race, a class, a nationality, a religion, for the problems and difficulties that are taking place either within our own life, uh, within the uh, community, or within the nation as a whole. And so, for example, the most, I guess, prominent example, of course, of the Jews in uh, World War II in Nazi Germany. They were the prime example of scapegoating. You point to someone or some group and you paint that broad brush of guilt and blame onto that group and therefore they become the object and they are objectified they're no longer people, human beings. They're objects. They're objects of scorn and of violence, 
and of death, of persecution. Uh, the Christians of the early church were scapegoated. The reason that uh, Rome was beginning to crumble and have problems was because of those Christians. That was the problem. And uh, we see that even today, where Christians are scapegoated, even in our own country. Uh, there's a great um, movement uh, to uh, secularize our society even more by getting rid of the Christian message, getting rid of people of faith in general. That's the cause of all the division and unrest and problems, all of these fanatics. Uh, people do that in families, in businesses, in schools, among each other. Blame that person. Blame that family, even within the family, finger pointing, as we call it. And whenever we point the finger at someone, as we know, there are three fingers pointing back at us. It's our own, it's our own fingers. For the real enemy often lies within ourselves, dear Brutus, as Shakespeare has ceased to say. Not, not in the stars, but in ourselves. Jesus says, why do you look for the, the little splinter in your brother's eye and fail to see the plank in your own? And scapegoating is a very, very common thing. Uh, and it relieves us of our guilt. It relieves us of our shame because it's not my fault. Uh, we used to have a store and there may be a few left or they're coming back. Boys or us. And I often thought that maybe there should be a store called Excuses or Us. And that place, that place would be packed every day. You can bet on that. Because there's always someone, some group, some person to blame for our own inadequacies, our own failures, our own shortcomings. And so, so scapegoating is a Phenomenon throughout history, it's present in the Bible. And we see that Jesus is going to be made the scapegoat, but there's a tremendous difference here. Tremendous difference that serves our attention this morning. Uh, there were many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary, and they saw what Jesus did, and they put faith in him. Well, that was that was too much. Because some of the people who came to see Mary and had seen what Jesus did, uh, they're not too happy. And what do they do? They go and tell the Pharisees who have long been looking for ways to do Jesus in. Because if people are following Jesus, then, my goodness, the Pharisees lose some of their power, some of their popularity, some of their influence. And... They can't tolerate that. They're jealous. They're filled with envy. So what do they do? They go and they tell the chief priest. Uh, and the Pharisees call a meeting of the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin is the kind of religious supreme court. They are the ones who determine guilt and innocence and what penalty is involved and so on. Um, and they and, and Sanhedrin says, what are we to do with this man performing all sorts of signs? 
uh, signs are, are the problem, but the real problem is Jesus. And these signs are leading people away from them and towards the holy will of the Father, which is why Jesus came, to reveal the Father and the holy will of the Father. What are we to do with this man? If we let him go on like this, and again, notice how exaggeration takes place. The whole world will believe in him. Well, that's very true. It's very true. But for them, uh, their, their exaggeration comes from uh, their jealousy and their envy. Exaggeration. They're the cause. That, look, look what will happen. The Romans will come in and sweep away our sanctuary and our nation. In other words, the source of our power will be taken away. The source of our influence and of our status, we're going to lose all that if we let this, this troublemaker continue to function. And one of the members, Caiaphas, uh, he will encounter him later on. Uh, he is the high priest that year. In other words, he's the chief uh, religious potentate. And he addresses them in this way. You have no understanding whatever, he tells his fellow members of the Sanhedrin. Can you not see that it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed? In other words, let's put all the blame and all the difficulty on this Jesus. And of course, it's for the sake of the people. It's for the sake of the nation. It's for the sake of the sanctuary. No, it's not. It's to protect their own power and their own influence. That's the problem. That's, that's their real motivation. And it was rather as high priest for that year that he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not only for the nation, but to gather into one all the dispersed children of God. In other words, contrary to Caiaphas's intention, he actually speaks the truth. This is what's called in the Gospel of John the irony, that he's saying this as a lie, but God is able to take lies, like crooked lines, and write straight and deliver the truth. And it says uh, in the Gospel of John, very solemnly, from that day onward, there was a plan afoot to kill him. That, that's the ultimate end of scapegoating. Killing. Violence. That's the ultimate elimination. Throw him in a grave and let the people forget. They have short memory. They'll forget. And so Jesus knows all of this. And so he withdrew instead to a town called Ephraim in the region near the desert where he stayed with his disciples. In effect, this really ends the public ministry of Jesus. He can't go among the Jews anymore because there is this plot to kill him. That's, that's, the, that's the plan. Silence, isolate, uh, quarantine, and then if that doesn't work, kill him. 
And the Jewish Passover was near. And so many people would be coming up from all over for the Passover purification. And what are they doing? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those who are opposed to Jesus, they're on the lookout for Jesus. Uh, and they would say, what do you think? Is he likely to come for the feast? The chief priest and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where he was should report it so that they could apprehend him. That's, so we turn the population that they're so concerned about into spies and snitches. Just tell us where he is so that we can get him. Because it's really for the good of the nation. It's good for the people. It's good for our faith. Uh, because these Romans, these Romans, uh, we know what they'll do. They'll put us into deeper slavery and bondage. They'll destroy our place of worship. And then where will we be? So we see the dynamic at work here of scapegoating. But Jesus is not a scapegoat. Jesus is sacrificial lamb. Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I freely lay it down and I freely take it up again. Jesus does this not out of force, not out of fear, not out of any earthly power, which, of course, in relation to God, is totally and completely useless and non-existent. Jesus does this freely out of love. Jesus goes to the cross and takes upon himself all of the sins of the world and all of the guilt that ever was, and is, and ever will be. He takes it to the cross out of the supreme act of divine love. It is on the cross that we are made clean. Not by a scape scapegoat. Not by uh, some animal. Because uh, that's what you have to do when you scapegoat. You have to rob the person or the group of their humanity. It is by the Son of God who in infinite love takes upon himself the innocent lamb who takes away the sins and guilt of the world and he freely offers that to the Father. And so it, it's very, very different. But we see the, the, the terrible dynamic of scapegoating, the violence, the isolation, the rejection, the division, and ultimately destruction. Because those who engage in scapegoating are themselves destroyed. They themselves are consumed by their own fear, their own jealousy, their own envy. They're always on the lookout for the next scapegoat, the next enemy. What a terrible way to live. But there are many people who are very comfortable doing it. Many nations are. Unfortunately, too many leaders are always on the lookout for someone to blame in order that they may stand apart and thank God they're not like these people, this individual who is the cause of the problem. And yet we fail to see the plank in our own eye. So scapegoating is a, a very, very, very destructive and deadly activity and way to live. 
other way is the way of the sacrificial lamb. Lay down one's life. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a sacrificial lamb. Yes. And Jesus is the silence of the lambs, but it is a silence that will speak louder throughout history until Jesus comes again. It is the silence of the cross. The innocent lamb who takes upon himself all of our sins and guilt. This is a wonderful time to, to take stock of ourselves and see are we comfortable and engaged with scapegoating? We walk around looking for those to blame, uh, groups, individuals, maybe within our own family, so-called black sheep. And have we really scapegoated them, failing to recognize the plank in our own eye? It takes a great deal of honesty and humility to admit that. It takes a great deal of honesty and humility to say, I have contributed to the problem. I, I'm the cause of the problem. That's the first step in the healing solution. It's to be honest, to be forthright with Almighty God and with ourselves and with others. And to accept responsibility. That's a sign of maturity, not only naturally, but spiritually. Stand before Almighty God. Not as uh, the old uh, comedy routine of Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. With God's grace, we can resist. We can reject and cast off the devil. With the grace of Almighty God. Not by ourselves, but by the grace of God. And turning to the Lord. And not scapegoating. So today... We can play the game of scapegoating, which is a very losing game for everyone. Or we can follow the way of Jesus, the way of the sacrificial lamb that is always before us. May we follow the way of the sacrificial lamb who laid upon himself our sin and guilt so that we might truly live in peace with God and with one another. God bless you.